You are listening to the Phoenix Podcast with UK life and wellbeing coach Zoe Thompson. Meaningful and light-hearted conversations packed with hints, tips and advice to help you live the life that you want with confidence. Like, subscribe, share and make sure you stay tuned to create the tomorrow you want while learning to love your today. Good morning, good morning. So welcome everybody. I am Zoe from Phoenix Life and Wellbeing Coaching and I am joined today by Jay Unwin. It is another Fire Five at Phoenix. Why I have chosen something that is so complicated to say and I trip over every time I have no idea. Um, But I am joined this morning by Jay. Jay has brought with him five questions five questions on our theme this month on rest and sleep. So uh, if you are joining us, feel free to uh, type in the comments, let us know that you are there. Feel free to comment along as we have um, our Q&A session. So you, um, if you haven't joined us before, the, the main difference with this is that I haven't seen the questions that Jay has brought with him. So I have no idea what he's going to ask. So whatever you hear over the next 45 minutes or so is straight off the top of my head, but hopefully some um, some value in this conversation. Jay, do you want to introduce yourself and let people know who you are and a little bit about you? Sure. Okay. Uh, so as Zoe said, my name is Jay Unwin. Thank you, Zoe, for inviting me on as well. It's really, really great uh, to be on here. And I'm sure we're going to have an, a very interesting discussion. Um, so I am a mental and physical fitness coach, speaker and author. I help people level up what I term mental and physical fitness through changing daily habits and routines. So this topic of sleep and recovery is something that's very, very close uh, to to my heart uh, in terms of how important I think it is to, to overall well-being. Um, and yeah, so I mean, I, I do that through coaching. I also do it through delivering corporate workshops and things like that to to help um, not only the individuals improve their mental and physical fitness, but also then to help the businesses and the companies improve their productivity and their staff morale and their reducing absenteeism and all of that good stuff. So everyone benefits from this. Um, and I'm currently working on my second book at the moment as well, which which will hopefully again get that message out to a number of uh, a much bigger number of people, and help those people change just little things on a daily basis, which can have some quite profound effects overall. Awesome, <clears throat> excuse me. So we will put some links in of where people can can find you. And I know we've had a couple of conversations, haven't we? And we're very much on the same page with all of this and we've had some really good conversations already so I'm really interested in where the conversation goes today so I am ready when you are for that I'm sure we're, I'm sure we're going to learn something if nothing else <laughs> if nobody else does then I'm sure that we will come away from this having uh, having some new insights what I for like sure. for sure so I'm ready when you are all right. So, do you want me to start with? Uh, do you want me to start with my first question about sleep? Yeah, go All for right. it. Let's see. let's see. I'm curious about how you'll answer this one. So, which of the following films is better: The Big Sleep, Sleepless in Seattle, or Sleepy Hollow? Oh, it's always got to be Sleepless in Seattle. Surely, why would it That's be the other correct. two? Con- con- <laughs> convince me otherwise. The answer is quite clearly Sleepy Hollow because of it being like a kind of gothic romance. 
you know, surely that's, yeah. you know, it's also the only one of the three I've seen. I have never <laughs> seen Sleepless in Seattle. I've never seen The Big Sleep, although, I, you know, it's a 1940s Humphrey Bogart film and it's obviously supposed to be good in, in its own right in that way. Uh, but yeah, I've ne never seen them. The only one I've seen out of those three is Sleepy Hollow. So the correct answer is actually Sleepy Hollow. Okay, well, I will, I'll tell you what, I will watch Sleepy Hollow if you watch Sleepless in Seattle. Have you not seen Sleepy Hollow? No. It's a Tim Burton film. Like, it, it therefore, it beats anything it's, else you put up against anyway. It's a little bit scary. It's, I'm, a complete, it's, I'm a complete wimp with films like that. No, nah, it's not. Why. I mean, if you think about, if you think about Tim Burton films, they're not scary. They're a bit dark and they're a bit, like, creepy. But they're not scary, you know, are they? Like, if you... Think about the the recent Willy Wonka film, or the more recent one, not the old kind of um, um, Gene Wilder one, but the um, Johnny Depp one. That was Tim Burton. It's creepy. It's not scary though. But they should never have remade Willy Wonka. No, fair one, fair one. That that should never have been remade. That's a legendary film. Yeah, I think you're on dodgy ground when you remake things. Uh, when you remake things like uh, yeah. you know that are, that are iconic in that way, but yeah, Sleepy Hollow, Sleepy Hollow is very, very good. Yeah. Okay. Well, I will add Sleepy Hollow to my list. Are you gonna? Are you? Have you seen The Big Sleep? I don't know that I've seen that either. Actually, no, I haven't. Because, but like, it's it's. I was looking for sleep-related films, right? I'm a bit of a cinephile. I love movies, but and yeah, there's still these um, th these films coming up which are like classics, like you know that you hear a lot of, and I still haven't seen them. But no, if you if you I, look I at if you look at the general opinion on something like IMDb, Sleepless in Seattle yeah. isn't as good as uh, Sleepy Hollow in terms of overall rating. So you're wrong. I told you you're very wrong. different genre of film, though, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, they are absolutely, but they could still be rated. You know, if people are reviewing them and rating them at certain, um, you know, I think Sleepless in Seattle is coming out at a six point eight, and Sleepy Hollow is coming out at a seven point three. So interesting. You can argue it all you want, but the facts are there. Yeah, film, films are very subjective, aren't they? They Super are. Subjective. They are, but you're still wrong. <laughs> okay. Do you, do you want your next question? Uh, yeah, go on. <laughs> Who are the better band, 90s Britpop band Sleeper or experimental rock band Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum? Well, I've not heard of either of those. You will definitely have heard Sleeper. You definitely will have heard Sleeper. Yeah, yeah because they, so they, um, uh, they had a, um, uh, a quite a few hits, top 40 hits in the 90s. Um, you would you would recognize and this is something again like when i was doing my my really kind of in-depth research for this um for this uh recording because you know i thought it's really important that we give great value to people um i thought oh sleeper i remember them i can't remember any of their songs but yeah they were kind of active from 1992 to 1998 um and they were pretty good however experimental rock is always going to win so sleepy time gorilla museum They've got some really good stuff. You, you should have a listen to that. Blow your mind. I I feel like I, there's some educating Zoe coming after after this today um, of some films and and some music enlightenment. Clearly, I, I hope the people that mm. are that are listening to this will also be discovering some new enjoyment out of music and and film. 
Well, I, if one person can comment that they've heard of either of these two bands. What, Sleeper or Sleepy great, Time Gorilla Museum? Sleepy, no, not, not, even, not even once. <laughs> Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum is one of the best band names though, isn't it? It's it's quite um it's quite a tongue twister, isn't it? It's quite a lot to fit on an album cover. It, yeah, it's, it's up there. There's another band called Giraffe Tongue Orchestra, which I really like that name. But Sleepy Tongue Gorilla Museum's dead. Maybe it's because it's got animal animals in it. Because both of those have got. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe is that what caught? Because that what caught your attention? Maybe I've just suddenly realised as I was saying it that both bands have got animals in them, and um, maybe that's why I like the names of them. Or maybe it's because it's got three words, and I'm attracted to three word band names. Who knows? Would you like your third yes. question? <laughs> Bring it on. What do you call a tired woodcutter? Oh, what do you call a tired <laughs> woodcutter? I, I have no idea. A slumberjack. Oh, good God. That's such a dad joke. And I will let you off because I know you're a dad. Yeah, that, that is a terrible, terrible dad joke. It's it's terrible. When you say it's a terrible no, no, dad don't, joke, don't I'd even say, try and justify it. Uh, I'd say like what no. makes a good dad joke? Because that it, it's it, terrible. It that, oh god, yeah. that's yeah. that's what makes it a dad so joke. Actually, it's a really good dad joke. Well, yes, okay, good dad joke, bad joke. <laughs> Fair one. But you're laughing. So um, the reason as well, like I've actually thought of, and this was after kind of listing these first three questions, but I've actually thought of a reason why that's really important and why there's actually, I, I can crowbar a meaning into anything. I've realised this. And I was literally, I've only really got two questions to prompt the conversation. And so I thought I need to fill the other three questions. And so I was just like, just these questions came up right however as i was asking them i realized that actually i can i can crowbar a meaning into this as well so we're talking about rest and recovery right yeah and so rest and recovery isn't just about uh, it's not just about sleep right so I, although in the in the um in the uh, thing that you um when we discussed it and the kind of the 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 theme for the month and all of that was sleep and rest and so the first things that came to my head were all sleep related right but that's not the only rest and recovery that we have there's also all kinds of other downtime yeah and for me for me the biggest um kind of almost switch off completely re relaxation things that i do i'll listen to music and watch films yeah. same absolutely the same there's a reason there's a reason <laughs> i ask these questions i just I, didn't I, know it I was saying this to somebody the other day. I, I have been going to the cinema quite regularly recently. One, because the cinemas are empty. Nobody's going at the moment, but they've also been, so they've been re-showing all of the Rocky films and oh, nice. on a Sunday afternoon. And, and there's, there's lots of different films coming out, but because there aren't any big block, blockbusters coming out there, there's some quite sort of, um, quite interesting sort of genre of films coming through but I was saying to somebody the other day the cinema is the one place where I switch my phone off completely and get completely lost in a different world 
for a couple of hours. And, and it's probably the one place where I find it really easy just to be able to forget everything else and just get get lost. And and the other thing is, and yeah, same as you, music for me is for kind of in between clients or, you know, when I need a bit of an energy boost or I need to, it's, it works both ways, isn't it? To either relax or an energy boost. And I think this year has been great for new music. I think yeah. the creatives have really come into their own this year of like releasing new albums and things like that. So I love nothing more than to go for a nice long walk and put a new, new album on and zone out for a bit. So it's a and good what, connection. What kind of, what kind of music do you tend to listen to, to, um, to kind of relax and, and rest? My, uh, my, my musical tastes are very varied. Um, yeah. so I, I went on to, um, uh which what did i go on to um dougie stone radio and i had to pick i think it was 10 songs that kind of picked 10 songs and every single one of them was from a different genre but they all had a different meaning or a different connection for me um i would say r&b soul is my go-to um i quite influenced with my son's musical taste like quite often he'll be playing something i'm like oh what's that um, and I'll add it to a playlist. Um, but I grew up on um, Michael Jackson, uh, George Benson, all of that kind of soul R&B type era. So I think that's definitely, definitely at the heart. But but there's lots of other like individual songs that I also like. What 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 are yours? Um, for me, it's very mood dependent. So I find mu music is a very um, like any art form, it's supposed to be emotive. It's supposed to uh, kind of elicit some kind of feeling from you. And um, so if I'm trying to relax, usually I find it, I find most of the time something quite, uh, I guess, the kind of way that most people would think of re relaxing music would be most relaxing, but that isn't always the case. Sometimes it's if I've got some um, some tension for whatever reason, or I'm feeling under some stress. Sometimes I need something that's quite aggressive and full on to uh, to help release that. Um, most of the time, I'll listen to some real like down tempo trip hop, um, maybe some. Uh, stuff like reggae and dub and stuff like that which i find to be most relaxing because of the repetition i find quite a lot mm -hmm. of the, the repetitive beats and the repetitive bass lines i find is is kind of soothing you know yeah. um so things like that but then if i want to go down the kind of more aggressive route then what i'll be going for is um some really heavy metal or some really kind of noisy drum and bass or dubstep or something like that just stuff which is is in some way just vicious sounding because <laughs> i find that that can if that matches my emotional state yeah. i can almost attach my emotional state to that piece of music and then when i change the piece of music to something more relaxing it takes my emotional state with it yeah um so yeah it it does really depend on my mood uh but yeah anything in between as well classical um you know it, i've got a really eclectic music taste as well but yeah when it comes to rest and relaxation it's that sometimes it's soundscape stuff as well just literally okay. just kind of yeah just almost like just um 
droning noises <laughs> you know what i mean like it's just um just something which just completely puts my mind into a different um a different yeah. place um but yeah it does vary it does M vary. music is music is great for that my um my album at the moment is joiner lucas um but it's just that for me it's getting lost in in the lyrics of the storytelling oh in, right in okay. and i i find that's really good just for me to kind of zone out and just like really tune into the lyrics of people's personal stories and their experiences and so it's always it's always very varied um but i yeah there's certain songs that you can really relate to and then there's just that the rhythm or you know that sort of the some of the music that you're talking to is very much my sort of gym music yep yeah um and and so it's always you know that different type of music walking to the gym and then in the gym and then a different type of music coming home from the gym of just i think what you're saying there about how it can help you to switch state is yep. so important and i think a lot of people might do that they're not necessarily aware of how that happens or why that happens and and that you can use that to help you to feel a certain way and anchor certain states and help bring back those memories that bring certain emotions with it is is all really really important i was thinking about that recently with um well, i was revisiting some old uh pieces of music and and albums and stuff that i listened to uh as a as a teenager and um a much more although it's challenging in its own way a much more worry-free time of life right there's less responsibilities mm -hmm. and all the rest of it and um I, i've got a huge amount of great memories from my teenage years which are very linked to music music was a huge part of my life i was always going to gigs and festivals i was always i always had music on um the things that me and my friends did all revolved around music and listening yeah. to music have you heard this new album that this band have come out with and and stuff like that and so uh, when i was revisiting it because things were popping up on my social media from bands and um musicians that i follow on instagram for example or in fact uh, there's a a magazine that i follow called revolver which is like a kind of um, hard rock and metal magazine and they often will do an anniversary post for a certain album it'll be like such and such album is 20 years old today or something like that and i'll be like um first reaction wow god i'm a lot older than i think i am um and, and, the, and, the, and then the second thing will be i need to go and listen to that because i haven't listened to it mm. in probably close to that amount of time um so like for 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 perspective for those people listening i'm 34 so these albums coming out when i was like 14 years old um or albums which are like 15 years old and came out when i was like 19 and things like that yeah. that kind of scope between those ages was was a, a part of my life which was yeah massively driven by music and so i was revisiting these these albums and the like i still remember the, like some of the tracks like word for word i still remember exactly where a certain riff is going to start I still yeah. and, and it conjures up these images um and these emotions that um i would have had when i was listening to that album for the first time and some of the albums like there was um some of the albums are like the the some of my favorite albums of all time which i haven't listened to in ages mm. and i i you know the other day i listened to an album um from start to finish full album which a lot of people don't do now because they're listening to playlists they're listening to individual yeah. songs but you know the, the um albums were written in a way which was almost like they, there was continuity between tracks mm. albums were written in a way where they, it was almost like 
even if it wasn't a concept album yeah. in in name it was still there was a concept within it there was a theme running through it and you could hear progression from one album to the next with bands and now although al albums are still a thing and although bands and musicians still bring out albums they don't quite have the same continuity because they're often designed to be listened to a track individually yeah. on the radio or on a playlist on spotify mm -hmm. or another streaming service or on youtube or whatever and then when you go back and you listen to these other ones and you listen to something start to finish um it's it's an incredible piece of artwork and in 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 a kind of there's a whole feel to it there's almost a story running throughout the um the the kind of 45 minutes or the hour or whatever the the, the album yeah. is and it's more like watching a film than it is listening to a little piece of music which is which is something which i i think is missed a lot now because people the way people listen to music is different they're not putting a cd in they're not putting a, a record on or a cassette tape in they're listening to an individual song because they've just yeah. searched for it so the, the story is told in each individual song now isn't it whereas before so often it was told it was the story was told over the course of the album and so you kind of went on that journey over that that time didn't you yeah. i think that the thing for music for me is always especially when you go back to you know your sort of childhood music of how the lyrics resonate still but in a very different way of your like when you listen to them so you recall the old feelings and you recall how you felt and where you were in that time and what you know your teen angst of what you were working through at that oh, time wow. And then you hear it now and you think the lyrics, you still connect with it, but you can connect with it in such a different way because you're in a different different space and a different place in life. And I just think music is incredibly powerful that. I miss I miss live music. I do I miss live music. Yeah. I miss live concerts and yeah, one day, one day we'll get back, we'll get back out there again. Yeah, I think that's a, it's it's an interesting thing with live concerts because very much with speaking and stuff like that. So I was doing a fair bit of public speaking before um, kind of lockdown hit and everything. And um, live music was is similar to speaking in a lot of ways because when you're on stage and you're delivering a piece of music or you're delivering a talk, a, a lot of what you do and the way you act and the way you word things or a lot of the, um, the way you behave as a musician on the stage is as a result of interaction with an audience. Yeah. Uh, when you're delivering that same concert via zoom or uh facebook live or you're delivering a talk via that there you haven't got the same uh, you there's this so much of our communication is body language and all you can see is like this person's head and shoulders on a screen or if you're doing a yeah. facebook live, you can't see anyone you've just got comments coming up and you're just performing to a camera um you don't have quite the same uh, you don't have the same energy transfer between yeah. you and the audience. Yeah, 100%. And so I think it's easier for people delivering a talk than it is for people performing music. Yeah. Because I think that music is even more of that kind of visceral experience. Um, and I think it's quite challenging in a lot of ways. So anytime I've delivered a talk or I've, when I've been playing in bands and stuff like that and I've performed on stage, it's quite tiring in a lot of ways. However, at the same time, when you come off stage, you're almost quite pumped up. You like mm -hmm. you you've absorbed a lot of energy from the experience as well as kind of expending it and 
when you have done the same thing on a virtual system, um, you feel way more drained when you finish it. Well, that's at least what I found. And so my again, bringing it around to rest and recovery, um, the the recovery needed is different, and it's possibly more at least in my experience for me i feel like i need to recover more from doing something like what we're doing now mm -hmm. or from delivering a talk on zoom or from um doing a, a you know something where there is a, a video link i find it easier when it's just audio but like recording a podcast but when it's um when it's video i find that i get like this slump afterwards and so and and what i do for relaxation is is kind of has has had to change as well whereas before if i was um uh if i was out and about and delivering stuff and seeing people face to face coaching face to face um working with people face to face delivering talks face to face then i would feel much more comfortable having downtime that was on a screen such as like watching a film um yeah. or um you know playing a computer game or something like that mm -hmm. and now because everything i deliver is to a screen i feel yeah. that my downtime needs to be offline more because yeah. otherwise the balance is shifted too far one way over the other yeah i that's such an important point and i think picking you know put to put that into the theme of rest and sleep you know a lot of people over the last couple of months I, some some people have been aware of that and they have adapted what they would normally do to take time out, what they would normally do to empty the stress bucket, but not everybody has. So a lot of people are still trying to apply old ways to a new way of living. And I think sure. and it's not and it's not working for people. So I think that raises a really good point for, for people who are watching back or watching now that if your rest isn't helping you to feel rested, then maybe it's time to look at what else you might be able to do to be able to get that get that downtime. It's been the same for me. I've been reading a lot more um, because like you know like you that I'm kind of exhausted of that screen time and, and that people you know being in that even though it's not a, a connection, but you know just again people doing peopley things that actually it's been quite nice to get lost in books. Um, or music and not, you know, be able to, you know, close my eyes and switch off a little bit. So um, I think there's a lot of people that would probably benefit from from hearing that. So thank you. It's good to yeah. share. Yeah, it's, it's um, I think the more that we, I think it just comes down to um, a bit of self-awareness more than anything else, rather than just going through the motions of yeah. um, this is what I've always done, so this is what I'm going to continue doing. I think the more that we can be kind of switched on as to what we are doing and how it's affecting us and um, and all of that kind of thing, I think that then we can make those tweaks. But I think it's that reflection that we need to start with in terms of understanding our starting point, which is the same with everything, right? It's yeah. like you can't, you can't change anything until you know what needs to what needs to be shifted but, yeah but the go-to tends to be do more more of the same isn't it do yeah and, then, and so we it that's that tends to be the go-to response of that's not working so i'll just do more of it or i'll just do it a little bit harder or just like kind of increase it a little bit whereas actually um and i think in particular with rest and sleep sometimes it's that taking that step back and going right what isn't working why isn't it working and what can i do instead rather than trying to do more of the same yeah. or just try and tweak what you're doing sometimes it does need a complete overhaul yeah no absolutely like this so 
having been in the fitness industry for like nearly a decade and sleep and rest was always the thing which I was probably the worst at of the the three big things that affect your kind of um your physical fitness the most being your training your nutrition and your sleep um that was the one which I ignored and it's the one which most people ignore and what you'll find i mean you obviously know all this stuff from your background in terms of your training and stuff like this and i'm sure you've come across it yourself as well like people put their training first then they bung nutrition on at the end and go well i should probably have a look at that as well and then they ignore the sleep that comes that's the priorities list that kind of people look at mm -hmm. whereas depending on what people's goals are um they're all roughly the same in terms of equal importance but with maybe one slightly higher than the other, depending on, you know, what, what the goal is. Like if someone's trying to lose body fat as their, as their um, primary goal, then their nutrition sh probably should be number one. Yeah. Their sleep should be number two and their training should be number three. Um, yeah. And, but, the, but very, very slight differences in terms of mm -hmm. importance. They're all fairly equal. Um, whereas if someone's looking to improve their performance, then, yeah it might be a slightly different um uh, slightly different uh, order so like their training might be number one because they're training for a very specific skill or very specific strength or fitness uh, kind if you like yeah. um and then their nutrition and their sleep will be both very close second for example mm -hmm. they're all very very similar they should be kind of fairly um you know the pillars of each should be roughly the same height and it's only really even the last couple of years and this year in particular that i've really really got into the the sleep and the recovery and the rest side of things quite in the same way as i have the rest yeah. of it and, and in terms of myself i've always kind of preached it but in terms of my own lifestyle i've uh i've i've had a lot of learning over the years through experience of burning out yeah <clears throat> that the rest and recovery is so so vital and an analogy that i use quite a lot now is um talking about an olympic swimmer and i use this as an example when i'm talking about mental stress as well because physical stress mental stress our fitness the way i define fitness is your ability to cope with and recover from stress so physical mm -hmm. fitness is your ability to cope with and recover from some kind of physical stress some kind of physical challenge your mental stress is therefore your ability to cope with and recover from mental stress that's what your yeah. mental fitness is um and we are constantly bombarded by stresses of some kind whether it's physical whether it's mental it's something that's not going away we should not be trying to get a life of less stress but rather becoming more equipped to deal with that stress that's how that's yeah. what i believe anyway and the analogy that i use in terms of the swimmer is that if you are an olympic swimmer and you're training to be the best in the world you you have to still get out of the pool at some point mm -hmm. you can't just train through it and most people understand this in terms of in terms of physical fitness more than they do with mental fitness they yeah. think i can't just live in the gym i need to come away from the gym and rest and recover yes people might not give it themselves give themselves enough rest or good quality rest and they might be going in and just hammering themselves and overtraining, but they still know they've got to leave the gym they still know yeah. they've got to get out of the swimming pool otherwise they will die yeah yet with mental stress people seem to be quite happy to stay in that stress mm -hmm. yeah. for a very very long period of time an extended period of time so eight hours of work a day in a stressful job and then bringing that home with them to then 
sit with at home when they're when they should be relaxing and recovering from that mental stress and that workload they're thinking about it more they maybe they brought actual work home to do uh kind of extra i was guilty of this when i used to be a teacher which was prior to uh, what i'm doing now i would be working until 10 11 o'clock at night yeah. uh, and i'd be working a full day at the weekend as well and when you consider it when you consider mental stress in the same way as you consider physical stress like a workout it is a mental and emotional workout you require rest after that the stress mm -hmm. can help you get fitter and stronger mentally but only if you allow the time to recover yeah and i think that that was a huge learning point for me understanding that actually i need to make this a priority doing more work isn't better after being a teacher, being self-employed and being working as a personal trainer and, and a fitness coach online and owned my own gym for a little while and all of these things, you're kind of like, it's there's always more that you could be doing. And so you think in order to excel, in order to get further forward in my business, I need to do more of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Whereas in reality, if I'd done more rest and recovery, then I would have done the stuff better in the first place rather than, you know, rather than doing more, I could have actually done those things better and got a better result yeah and i think that's a big part of the resilience isn't it of building resilience is being able to take that step back and rest and recover so you've got the energy <clears throat> mental and physical to go back in and keep fighting the fight or keep keep that going and i think the other thing that you said that i picked up on is that um you know we can't control out the environment we can't control those external things that create the stress in our life but what we can control is having that mental and physical energy mental and physical resilience and recovery to be able to deal with that and I think that's one of the big differences but what you do notice and I know that you'll know this from your world as well is that when the pressure external pressure hits we tend to let go of controlling nutrition how active we are and our rest and sleep whereas actually those are the three things and I know you said you use the word pillars but they are the three pillars that hold us up when there's that external pressure gets really really heavy so if we can focus on keeping those three pillars that that strong and making sure that we put all of our you know as much as we can we can control those three pillars we can't control the external pressures but we can control keeping those three pillars strong but what people tend to do is let those go and if so those if those pillars aren't strong then the external pressure is going to crumble us a lot quicker than it would if that's where we focus but we we spend a lot of time don't we focusing on and trying to control the uncontrollables yep. and take our eye off the ball of actually the things that make a huge difference not just now but longer longer term as well do you think that's why people tend to let those things slip when they're faced with um a particularly big amount of stress or a particularly big challenge whether it's physical or mental do you think that those things um those kind of well-being habits slip first um do you think that's because people become too busy trying to control the actual stress itself rather than their response to it yeah yeah I, I, I think that's certainly what what i'm i think looking at the last you know 2020 as a whole if you like i think the people who are managing what's going on better 
and the yep. people who are controlling the controllables just focusing on what is under their control and then trying to not focus on everything else and i think people who are i think it's just that sort of tunnel vision at the moment isn't it of okay let's just kind of head down and and, and work out what we are certain of work out what we do know and focus on that but those three pillars are so important that it you know that sometimes even if in a week where it feels like the world is falling apart if you can eat well make good food choices and you can have some downtime give yourself some time out get as much sleep as possible and you know try and stay active it just helps things feel better the world can all be turning to ratchet but actually those three things can help things feel better but also you feel more in control and sometimes that's part of the stress itself isn't it of not feeling in control i think that's probably not just part of it i think it's the biggest part of it i think that humans are rubbish at chaos i think we are very very we find it very difficult to not be in control of things mm -hmm. um, and i wonder how much of it is evolutionary because the unknown is dangerous uh, you know as we evolved um, that was something that we wanted to avoid. We wanted to avoid situations where we didn't know what was going to happen because it was often going to be dangerous to us and we were looking for survival. Yeah. Um, I think that, so part of it is that, but I also think part of it is maybe societal that teaches us that we should be in control all the time. Um, I think the personal development industry as a whole has got a lot to answer for in that vein yeah. because it kind of teaches us that, you know, your life is the way it is because of the decisions you've made. Yeah, up to a point, yeah but the you know we we've we've respond the way we choose to respond to all the things that have happened to us will dictate a direction that we take in our life mm -hmm. but we didn't cause the things to happen in the first place a lot of the time and it's arrogant and naive you know naive at best and arrogant at worst to us to to believe that you have that level of control you know yeah. you didn't have any say in for example the country you were born in that was complete chance and that yeah. has a huge impact on what your life is going to be like mm -hmm. and what your formative years are going to be like if you're born in in syria in the past kind of few years that's going to be a really challenging place to grow up yeah if you were born in the uk probably not so challenging and you know there's going to be challenges but they're going to be very different and they're probably not going to be life or death challenges and yeah. so you're the way you've turned out as a human being yes the way your life is has is a result of some decisions you've made but it's also it's also a result of absolute chaos and uncertainty and the yeah. more you can accept that and go oh that's cool like i have very little control over what goes on around me in, in mm -hmm. fact the only thing i control like you said is what I do, my behaviours, my actions, my response to that. Yeah. And even that is clouded somewhat by the fact that your brain is so complex that you don't actually have, that you will still do stuff which you don't understand why you do it. Yeah. And it's like, it's like so you don't even have 100% control over what you do. There, yeah. is, there is stuff that is going on way below the surface, which is dictating your your behaviours as a result of your um, your past experiences and maybe traumas you've been through and all the rest of it. And so if we understand that, yeah, we've got a lot more control over what we do and pretty much zero control over external stuff, then, yeah, focusing on that and going, right, I'm going to I'm going to change the things I can and accept mm -hmm. what I can. 
And if we become more comfortable in uncertainty, I believe that is essentially what fitness is in a lot of ways. Because if you think about physical fitness being the ability to deal with a stress if it comes along, and this will mean different things for different people, because, you know, I there's if you have certain uh, health or physical limitations which stop you from being able to lift heavy weights or stop you from being able to run long distances or run far, it's not all about that. could be about getting through daily life without falling over. It could be getting up and down the stairs without getting out of breath. The physical challenges will vary from person to person. But then the, it's, it's that uncertainty of what am I going to physically have to do today? Mm -hmm. To get up and down the stairs, am I going to have to run away from something? Am I going to? So there's there's various kind of uncertainties that we can prepare our bodies for as best we can, and it's the same mentally and emotionally. If we are more able to cope with uncertainty, inevitable uncertainty, yeah. because that's just the way things are set up, then we are fitter. We are more mm -hmm. able to with that stress and if you look at if you look at fitness as defined by um the kind of natural selection charles darwin kind of way of looking at things a lot of people misunderstand the uh, survival of the fittest they think fittest they mean strongest they mean most physically um dominating and and that's that's the way that people see fitness in general you know they see big yeah. muscular men and women um they see fit uh fit people on doing athletics and sports and stuff like that and we have this idea of fitness right but in terms of natural selection it's not survival of the fittest in that way it's mm -hmm. survival of the species most adaptable to change that's literally what natural selection is mm -hmm. and so even in that biological sense the fittest is the is the species that is most adaptable to change it's the individual that is most adaptable to the changes in its envi environment it's the one that's most able to cope with uncertainty. And that's yeah. what fitness is. That's what we should be looking at in terms of upgrading our own physical and mental fitness is how can we best steal ourselves for the storms that yeah. will happen? It's and, almost um, fit for purpose is what's coming to when you yeah. when you describe that, isn't it? It's that yeah. fit for purpose. And I think it's that we, we might not be certain about what's going to happen in the future. We might not even be certain about what's going to happen tomorrow. But what we ca we can learn and grow and evolve to be certain that we know that whatever happens, we've got the tools and resources and the skills and the experience to be able to deal with it. Yeah. Absolutely. And when you look at components of fitness, even just like normal kind of the, the 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 main components of fitness as dictated when you do a PT course or something like that, there mm -hmm. are two, I mean, most people think of cardiovascular fitness. Some people might then think of strength. But there's five health related components and six skill related components of fitness just in that in those terms. So like health related components, you've got cardiovascular fitness, strength, muscular endurance, body composition and flexibility. And you think if you can't work on something of those because of something underlying something which is stopping you from doing it genuinely, there are other things you can work on. So if you're working on your flexibility, but you can't work on your cardiovascular fitness because of whatever reason, then cool work on that and that's yeah. only looking at the health ones under the skills related ones you've got things like agility speed power coordination um reaction time 
um, and balance. I think those were the the six. I'm, I'm massively mm-hmm. impressed with myself for remembering those. But the um, but if you're working on your your balance, that is part of your physical fitness. Mm-hmm. If you're working on your hand eye coordination or any other coordination, the b- ability to use more than one body part at a time then you are working on your fitness. If you're working on your reaction times, then you're working on your fitness. Those things aren't conventionally thought of as as being work, as being kind of working on your fitness and, and in the kind of general population anyway, at least. But we know that in the fitness industry, we know that and we should be encouraging people to do those things as well. And I've got a whole, like we were talking about three pillars of, of kind of, um movement nutrition sleep um those are kind of three big pillars that we've been talking about but i've got i've got five pillars because three is just not good enough for me i've expanded (laughs) it because i'm talking about mental fitness as well and the the whole perspective so movement um nourishment i prefer talking about nourishment than nutrition because Mm -hmm. i believe so then incorporates water and breathing because you're nourishing Mm -hmm. the cells of your body with the things that you're trying to get in so movement nourishment recovery um, because it's not just about sleep and rest, but it's you could have active recovery as well. Um, and then the other two, which I've kind of, uh, which I like to talk about, are stimulation, like mental stimulation, and uh, connection. Mm-hmm. And with those five pillars, you're getting a much more well-rounded, kind of holistic approach to your mental and physical well-being. Because um, st- mental stimulation through you know, listening to music or playing music or reading or writing or doing puzzles or learning in some way or, you know, whatever. So stimulation is vital to our well-being. Our brains are developed to be curious, right? And then connection with other people, with nature, with ourselves. It's kind of how I approach spirituality. I'm a very scientific, spiritual person, right? But connection, whether you're religious or traditionally spiritual or whether you're spiritual in a different way and you're connected to the, to nature and what's around you, that's vital in terms of your physical and mental health as well, because that allows you to, again, manage your stress much, much better. I saw another study recently about forest bathing, which is that uh, the, the kind of Japanese concept of going out and being in, uh, in the woods. Mm-hmm. It was to do with stress reduction in walking in the woods versus walking in a city and again it's another scientific study which showed that where you're walking walking is great for stress reduction anyway if you're in a city and that's all you can do awesome it's better than nothing but being in nature reduces stress even more and so that connection with what's around us is vital for not only our mm-hmm. mental but our physical well-being as well um i remember why i went off on this tangent but hey it seemed it seemed like it was a good opportunity but it, but it's. So I think you know. I, you talk about the three pillars, the five pillars. You know, I, I know for me, working with people, we talk about human needs, psychological needs, physiological needs, and they all do connect in together. And I think you know, people who have learned to expand that and work across all of those different areas um, benefit massively from them. And I know it's not easy for everybody, and for. You know, for some people, you do need to narrow it down to the kind of the key three. But the more you're able to expand that and the more you're able to make that part of a daily routine, the benefits are huge. Psychologically, emotionally, physically, the benefits are huge. But there's so much 
out there that we can't control that just really changing that focus into the things that we can just makes a makes a huge difference i think the 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 other thing with regards to kind of the the, the pillars that we've been discussing is that certain things can hit more than one so mm-hmm. for example if we were looking at um if you're looking at movement if you're doing complex movement patterns that hits the stimulation as well so if mm-hmm. you're looking at for example um how movement improves um or reduces the risk of cognitive decline in uh, in older populations and you look at how movement uh, reduces the risk of developing dementia for example yeah. if the movement is then complex movement and learning new movement patterns then that it supercharges that effect mm-hmm. and it produces yeah. that cognitive decline even more and we can harness that at any age to uh, to improve our brain function not just through moving because moving you know releases more um neurotrophic factors in the brain and helps improve the kind of the health of the brain cells we've got not just the neurotransmitters but the actual kind of physical um brain neural cells that we've got um and make them make stronger connections as well but then doing complex movement stimulates that even more so you're hitting movement but you're also hitting stimulation and if you do that in a place where you're um you can if it's yoga for example you can also get some kind of uh connection there in terms of like connection with your body connection there's also a spiritual element there where you can where there's a lot of breathing so you're hitting nourishment as well you can hit lots of different of of those pillars without um without having to do loads and loads of different things if that makes sense yeah absolutely i also think that when we were talking about people who are letting their habits slip as a result of these external stresses i think a big 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 part of that if not the biggest part of that is the way that they've set up those those habits and those routines in the first place and i think they've set them up in a way where they're reliant on motivation yeah. and so when something distracts them that motivation and that energy has to go somewhere else because a family member's ill or their washing machine needs replacing or there's a global pandemic and they go off on this other stuff quite rightly totally understand yeah and they take their energy away from these these habits and routines of well-being which would actually help them deal with this other stuff yeah. if they had set them up in the same way as for example brushing their teeth is set up whereby it is a habit which is just ingrained into them and they mm-hmm. feel more weird not doing it than doing it yeah they're not relying on motivation to brush their teeth yes sometimes you will still lose you, you'll be feeling so flat that you might not brush your teeth you might get up in the morning and just go sacking that off even right and i understand that i've been there if you're struggling with something like depression as well that's a completely different kettle of fish the even getting out of bed can be a, a massive struggle that's not what i'm talking about um but because brushing your teeth is so ingrained it's the last thing that will mm-hmm. go it is the last thing that will go it is well, also the amount of energy that's needed to keep keep those routines yeah those behaviors those habits going it you want it to be part of this is what i do this yeah. isn't something that i need to think about this isn't something that yeah. i need to take energy from the energy pot out of to be able to do it so then it doesn't when something else happens the end that it's almost like a separate energy pot that you can that you can take from so absolutely and it needs to be it's part of that you know becoming part of that normal habit normal routine isn't it of well it's wednesday i i go to spin on a wednesday well it's thursday i do this on a thursday well it's the morning so i go for a walk it's you know 
after lunch so I'm gonna go and listen to some music for half an hour it's the things that become part of our routine so it's almost that unconscious um uh habits and behaviors like cleaning your teeth you wake up you wash your face you yeah. clean your teeth you eat your breakfast you go for a walk and those things so yeah you automate them and it, if you use your willpower at the start when you're changing these things to put them in place in a way which will not require willpower and motivation further down the line further down the line um then when these things hit and you get blindsided by life you you're less likely for those things to slip they still might or they might change in some way but they're more the the foundations are much much stronger <clears throat> and and so i think that that's something which it's something which i teach it's this kind of the second part i've got my kind of in the book i'm writing at the moment i've got those kind of five pillars of going more depth into those and then the second part is about how to actually set up these habits which will stick long term um, because i think that if we if we do that and if we build our life in a much more kind of looking at the the tiny bits and pieces which will then add up it's much better mm -hmm. than trying to rely on that motivation and willpower um i'm noticing the time and i've got still 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 got two questions for you goodness okay fire them um, up I'm just going to get my um, my timer out because you've got 30 seconds for this one. Okay. okay. Hang on. Right. In 30 seconds, list the top five benefits of getting more and better quality sleep. Okay. So you've got your physical health benefits, the cell repair, your immune system, huge benefits around some of the illnesses that affect long-term life. Uh, you've got energy levels. You've got uh, your ability to be able to think, um, concentration levels, um, which help you to make good choices. Five seconds. Uh, uh, I still got two left. Is that five? Um, All right, um, you're done. Uh, I think that was plenty. There was loads of benefits there. There's loads of benefits there. <laughs> um, and all, as always, there's crossover. So it's hard to say whether it's five or not because there's so much crossover within Absolutely. that um that that um I, yeah it's it's fantastic i think sleep is one of the um one of the things that more and more people are starting to get a bit more switched on with but it still needs a bit more um a bit more focus right last question then um what single action do you believe has the greatest impact on sleep quality for most people the evening routine and the wind down yeah. The, the biggest thing that I notice is that people go from um, it's like an emergency stop rather yeah. than a slow down. So I think most for most people and it's very individual, um, dependent on you know what people's responsibilities and commitments are. But ultimately, that wind down routine into slowing down to a stop rather than a kind of going at 90 miles an hour, getting into bed and expecting your body to just switch off. And yep. that, that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing, I think. Agreed 100%. Um, yeah. Nice. Five questions. Did it. Awesome. Thank you so much. That was, that was good fun. Your first couple of questions threw me, but it was good to talk about films and music. Yeah. It's always nice when somebody brings something different as well, because it makes it more interesting for me and, and also more interesting for other people. And there's some comments in the chat about um music and, and memories and emotions so definitely resonating with people out there so awesome. thank you so much for your time um if you are watching back do feel free to comment 
Um, if you've got any questions, feel free to put them into the, the comments section and I will answer them. Um, and if I can't answer them, I'll go back to Jay and uh, pull Jay back in to answer them for me. But Jay, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me, mate. And we will be back uh, next time with a new topic um, and new guests. So thank you very much and have a fantastic day. Wait a minute. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe.